<laughs> today you is are... just. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no. He's up. Read the Pod, episode 17. We discuss the latest Nebraska issues. I'm April and I'm here with Melody. Let's get started. How are you, Melody? I am pooped. <laughs> <laughs> Today is just, July 5th, which means yesterday was July 4th, and we uh-huh. had the wildest, the wildest night. We had the most fun day, uh, and then the night went all night long, much later than I would have expected it to go. Uh, And so I'm just kind of recovering today. How are you? Star spangled. (laughs) Star spangled? Star spangled. No, it was a great holiday for us too. I was, I told you earlier that we had very, very similar holidays. (laughs) We had uh, the hot dogs and the angel food cake and yeah. Uh, did some our first fireworks and my daughter got to pick out some for the first time because I've literally never bought them. I can still you, say I've, I've never bought them out? still. Well, um, some rainbow sparklers, which they call them that, but really like they were just different color sparklers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And ground bloom flowers, which are oh, like those the are only fun. ones those are the ones I get excited about. <laughs> <laughs> and smoke balls (laughs) all the standards you know what we had that was awesome are these we got them last year and we had to get them again this year they're called ninja swords oh my goodness yeah and they're huge cardboard swords and they just shoot sparks out of them but because the sword is so long you can hold on to the handle and it just goes like all over the place and and then after they cool off, you have this giant cardboard sword you can play with later. They're fantastic. Wow. Yeah, they're fantastic. And they're also uh, not super loud. They don't make big booms. Well, it took uh, some convincing. The six-year-old, like, even though he acts like he's confident and will do whatever he wants, um, he was a little nervous. Like, he liked the ground boom flowers, but he did not. He was just like, no, 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 I'm way back here. And then he was screaming, wow. <laughs> and then it took a couple sparklers before he would actually hold it. But but he really wanted to hold the punk the whole time. But it oh, wasn't yeah. like flaming. And we were like, no, because you're going to touch somebody. You know, like he didn't get, <laughs> yeah. like, no, 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 no. He kept trying to take it out of my husband's hand. And I was like, get out of here. Well, yeah. My seven-year-old is now at the age he wanted to blow up a strawberry, which he did and said it was epic. Like an actual strawberry? Yeah, yeah. With what? I've never heard of this. <laughs> just one of those like little um, like black cats, just those little firecrackers. You can, you know, they're red usually. And he just shoved one in a strawberry and blew it up. Uh, the neighbor was lighting those off. So he went over there and uh, did that. <laughs> so it was fun well you know the fourth of july is actually my favorite holiday i 
I know it feels like a costume theme party and it's really easy to pull together because I'm not very creative. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear my flag romper in the morning. And then I put <laughs> on my evening dress in the afternoon, which is this ridiculous blue dress with like patriotic dogs all over them. And one of the dogs in the pattern is a hot dog with, it's like a lot, it's like a dachshund, but it's in a hot dog bun with ketchup down its back. <laughs> so that was my evening apparel. And yeah, we did all the things. Like we had angel food cake with um, cool whip and strawberries and blueberries. We had hot dogs. We did some fireworks. We made homemade oh. ice cream, put it in beer floats. You know, like it's very easy to do the 4th of July. It's just such yeah, a yeah. great fun um, theme party. And I just, I feel like what's the point of doing all this activism and this really depressing social justice work if we, at the end of the day, we don't get to celebrate you know, and just take a day off and just celebrate what the point of it all. Like we're trying to have a more equitable, just nation. And, you know, I want a day to light off some steam and just enjoy, enjoy the day. And it was really, really fun. You know what I heard? I saw on social media, Justin Wayne has put out a proposal. He plans to bring a bill next year to allow cities to do fireworks on Juneteenth. So I think the way the law is crafted right now is at the state level, there is this general ban on firework sales with the exception of this small range of dates around the 4th of Mm. July. And then at the municipal level, cities can decide yes or no if they want to sell fireworks within the city and if they want to allow the lighting off of fireworks in the city. Sure. So that's a municipal decision. So I think um, I actually asked Justin Wayne on Facebook and he responded back. It sounds like what they want to do at the state level is open it up so cities can allow the purchase and discharge of fireworks for Juneteenth. So for anybody who doesn't know what Juneteenth is, it is the celebration of when the last group of slaves found out that there was no longer slavery in America. And it's a celebration of that moment in history. Um, And I know that some people were saying, you know, the 4th of July is like the white Juneteenth, which definitely, I think that is... (laughs) There's something to be said about that, obviously, because we know when the Declaration of Independence was signed that uh, Black Americans were three-fifths the value of a white American in the United States Constitution, and we know that's not real freedom from the British. So I think I'm all for it. I love Justin Wayne's proposal. I think we need to give more credibility to Juneteenth, and they're both kind of happened around the same time. So in the summertime, so why not just have all these summer holidays representing various levels of national freedoms? I love it. Yeah. I mean, don't they sometimes do them on like New Year's and stuff? People do. No, but I thought cities have done it. Maybe only on special. um, I think cities, I think that's different for like a city Mm -hmm. celebration versus an individual. Sure, sure. So I think that's a little bit different. Um, what did you wear for the 4th of July? Did you go all out red, white, and blue? 
<laughs> well, no, I tried to, I wore red. <laughs> the kids, right. I got them. I was like, you got to wear your flag shirts, find your flag shirts, anything with a flag. Well, usually we're all shopping and they sell those everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And so this year I was like, mm, we didn't really, does everyone have a flag shirt? Henry did, my oldest, but the little one did not. So he just wore a red shirt. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. It worked we played out. some. We played some badminton. So that was really fun because badminton was, it was sitting in my garage. I'd forgotten I'd bought it on Facebook like last fall. And I was thinking like, what can I do to make the force interesting? And I was like, oh, a toy we haven't brought out in all of quarantine. So that was fun. Next point of business, April. Yes. Fourth of July celebration. Did you watch Hamilton? Uh, of course I did. Showed it to my kids. Had it marked on the calendar months ago. Kids loved it. It was really long for them, but they didn't, you know, we took a break at intermission and then we took a break to make dinner and then we sat and ate dinner in front of it. And, uh, we did it on Friday though. It was great. Nice. We watched it. I won. I've heard the soundtrack a million times. Mm-hmm. I did not know that the cast, every person, every major character was a person of color. The mm-hmm. only white characters were fools. There was the king, and then there was the guy who sings the duet where he is being sung over because what he's saying, he's just telling everybody to calm down yeah. and go low. Uh, and so he was white. But every other person, everybody who was interesting, powerful, cool, all those people were people of color. And it was amazing. I didn't realize you didn't know that. Well, I'd never seen it. Yeah. So I mean, I just, somehow I knew that even though, even before I saw it on at Omaha. Yeah. I just, I hadn't really read anything about it. I'd only, everybody was talking about the soundtrack several years ago. And so I just started listening to it and I didn't go any further. I didn't research it or I, don't, I just did not know that I was surprised. And I thought that was so cool. And it was really, there was all this meta stuff in there and that the, I also did not know there was no dialogue. It's just the singing that mm. is the show. I didn't know that either. Um, it was kind of similar to Phantom of the Opera and I didn't know. Or Rent. The, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that either. And then I, I loved all of the nuance. So when they recorded the album, they cut out some of the vocal inflections and nuance. And there was so much in the story I missed, even though apparently I'd heard the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, I don't know why, but when I saw it in Omaha, that was when I didn't realize from the soundtrack that King George was so funny yeah he's iconically funny but you don't get that through the music I didn't so like seeing him I thought the guy who played George in Omaha was not the Broadway guy obviously but he was really good he had very like um caricaturish face and so he had really exaggerated and it was just really funny but oh my gosh and then I had to blow my uh my husband's mind because the guy. I wasn't sure if you were going to say mind. I was. Right. No, 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 oh my God. 
He's <laughs> um, the actor who played King George is also the voice of Kristoff in Frozen. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> that is really cool. That is really cool. But uh, yeah, like oh my god, it was so awesome to see David Diggs. He was amazing. Oh yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. And... Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was awesome. I was wondering, there were some really nuanced little things when I was wondering when they recorded it, if they knew how big it was going to be. Because I have a theater background and there were some weird things that I noticed, like the dresses of the Schuyler sisters were not ironed. I was like, I wonder if they realized like how big this would be and how important this recording would be. And maybe they would have, I don't know, like there were just like a few... There were just a few like little tiny things like that where I was kind of wondering the backstory of why they recorded it, what purpose the recording was well, going to be. I think, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but didn't there, didn't they simultaneously release a behind the scenes or something of it? Oh, did they? I think so. Oh my gosh. Maybe. Why don't I know anything about what's happening <laughs> in the world? I know. I had to tell you about Hamilton like last week. You were like, what? I know. We watched Disney Plus. Why didn't I know Hamilton was coming out? I did not know. Well, oh, that, I yeah. my seven-year-old, he already knew. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm thought there was. Here. I could be wrong. Maybe it was something online. I don't know. But yeah, there's extra. Yeah. Extras. The Undefeated presents Hamilton in depth. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to watch that. I know. Um, okay. Here's... I think we we have not talked about Chris Janicek yet. And of course we want him to resign because what he said was misogynistic. It was nasty. Gross. Yeah, it was nasty. And it was, um, I mean, he basically, for those of you who don't know, Chris Janicek is the Senate candidate in Nebraska. He's up against Ben Sass. Uh, ben Sass is notorious for being a well-branded Nebraska, oh shucks, I'm just a town boy from Fremont and I love the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And he writes these books about the vanishing American adult and he, but meanwhile, he is the vanishing adult. He doesn't have town halls. He doesn't respond to constituents. He votes with Trump almost exclusively he almost never even when he like says he doesn't like what he's doing exactly so that so sass is problematic in all the ways so janicek is supposed to be his opponent and then he said he had a female staffer that did something that made him mad and then he was talking to a group of staffers and he accidentally included her in the group text and made a comment how he would pay for Uh, what boils down to a gang rape of this female staffer so that she would stop making him so mad. Well, and like, and I described it that way to my husband and he like looked at me like shocked because he had read what Jenna Seck had written, but that's what it is. He may not have worded it that way, but that's what he was saying. It's nasty and it's gross and it's wholly inappropriate and he's toast. He's done for, he had no shot to begin Mm. with, but he just, his ego is in the way and it's frustrating. 
Well, and so, I, yeah, I've been thinking about him and thinking about, he came out on social media finally, and he wrote this epic novel about, he basically says, I did a wrong thing, but here, the thing is, she made me do it. It's like kind of what he says in a nutshell. Well, you yeah, it was like, here's all the things character. She, was- she blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. When you're at work, your boss doesn't get to make comments about having multiple men have sex with you at the same time because he's no, no. not happy your with your behavior. Your boss doesn't get to talk about sex about you at all. Right. Period. Period. Right. That's, yeah. So... So it's just super disgusting. It's totally, it's totally disgusting. And, and of course, in his defense, what men always do, and I recently saw Don Bacon do this in a conversation with Ari Cohen, is when men get backed into a political corner, they immediately scapegoat the women. Mm-hmm. And so what Don Bacon did in his conversation on I saw on Twitter and what Chris Janicek is doing now is they go and they start talking about abortion as a wedge issue. And they're like, well, women's health care is why nobody likes me. Women's health care. We can't let women have access to health care that they want and need because whatever. That's always the... That's always the end of the conversation, which is supposed to shut down whoever's arguing with them. And Janicek said he is, he brought up his views on abortion and he brought up his views on guns, which also violence against women, guns, toxic white male patriarchy, all that kind of goes together. That was what, why he thinks everybody in the Democratic Party is mad at him. Because he loves guns and hates women. So, yeah. no. We're going to, as we always say, we're going to launch all men into the sun. <laughs> Just start over. Oh, yes. That reminds me, viewers, listeners, if you haven't already looked up the whole man disposal services on Twitter, <laughs> you just must. You must. <laughs> you must. You must. Um, it is they, so funny. Whoever and writes that started, is so good. Someone started whole Karen disposal services as well. But God, it's funny. They like just take like the worst examples of a man, the patriarchy, you know, and uh, they rake them over the coals and it's hilarious. <sighs> it's so good. I, here's what I've been thinking about Chris Janicek. He is going nowhere. He already had a campaign that couldn't win. Nobody's ever heard of him outside of Omaha. I don't know. I didn't know anything about him until after he was elected. And I I hadn't even liked his Facebook page yet. And I'm pretty in the know on Democratic politics, but I hadn't even liked his Facebook page. That's how little I know about him. So, I mean, if you're going to go even east, west of Lincoln, you're it's going to shrink from there. Uh, it's worth noting the women who ran against him have of course banded together and they have said, if he does drop out, they want all of Angie Phillips and Alicia Shelton supporters to 
support an Alicia Shelton candidacy, which I would, I think that's, would be beautiful. But here's the problem I have with all of the conversations. They all seem to be so focused on Chris stepping down, which he definitely should. And it's taking the focus off the fact that we have a state senator, we have a federal senator in Congress, Ben Sass, who does not represent the interests of Nebraska and he is totally off the hook. Everybody is focused on a candidate who couldn't win anyway. Ben Sass is assured another six years in office to not help our people in our state. And that really sucks. And I wanna think about, I'm just not sure, I'm not sure what people should do. I'm not sure what people should do, but I feel like part of it is to make it harder for Ben Sass to hurt Nebraska. And the solution that people could really focus on is helping make sure that the Congress is not going to allow the Senate to do bad things. So I feel like people who are really mad about Chris Janicek if you're in his inner circle and you can help get him to talk out of it, good. Help him do that. That's really important. But for everybody else, it, it feels like maybe the most productive thing to do is make sure Kara Eastman and Kate Bowles win their races. Because oh. Don oh, Bacon's go got to go and Jeff Fortenberry's got to go. Right. And I know initially um, Alicia had put out that she wanted to run as a write-in candidate, but um, state election officials said that former primary opponents aren't legally allowed to run as write-in candidates until he's off the ballot. Yeah, so he I has think that actually, the whole thing. Yeah, so I, I get think it, that's actually a good rule. We can do. Right, that's right. It's a good rule. I've heard some people who are really frustrated that Alicia Shelton cannot be a write-in candidate. But here's the thing. When we're talking about, you know, we're talking a lot about systemic problems in all the systems that we're a part of. But I think this is actually a good rule because if you did not win your primary, you need to stop running. Right, <laughs> need, right. We need you to stop running. Um, and that would be happening with Alicia Shelton if if the person who did win the primary did not do something so egregious uh it's almost unheard of to have lost all your support from your political party after you win the primary it's just almost unheard of so so we're in a kind of an extraordinary situation but under regular circumstances if you lose you, you need to go you don't want to be sour grapes about being a the person who didn't win. Right. That would really screw things up, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to have some limits on these things. So as a rule, I think it makes sense. In this case, it's just very frustrating because the person people voted for is just such a bad candidate. Right. So. Well, I didn't vote for him. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. He did not get any sort of kudos from seeing red. We were rooting for Angie Phillips very early on. Uh, Alicia Shelton came to the race quite late and we loved her. I don't think we really had any time to cover her because she was in the race for such a short moment, but we did love her. So mm -hmm. well, we there wasn't anything that notable about Chris Janicek. 
So, but I want, I just, how do, yeah, we need to hold Ben Sass accountable. It really stinks that you can do such a terrible job in DC and you can just be reelected. Yeah. And he just freezes you out. So like, it's impossible to hold him accountable. You can't, he doesn't contact people. He doesn't have he? town halls. His staff and, won't let you in his office. Like, right. And why should he do any of those things? He got reelected without doing anything he had a primary from his own political party and then beat the guy in a landslide part of it is we need campaign finance reform why does any incumbent get to have millions and millions of dollars that's not a fair way to run the race one of these days we need to do an episode on the dark money in nebraska oh there's this fabulous woman her name is kate high and we have been playing phone tag and i have not reached out to her in a while but she wants to come and talk on the pod. So I need to call her and get that. I need to get that organized because I think people would love to hear what she has to say. She's been doing all the research on money and politics. And Nebraska has some rules that other states don't. And then of course we lack some rules that other states have that are making it even worse here than some other places. Well, the number one rule that we are lacking is any kind of, limit on campaign donations almost every state has some kind of limit so maybe the most an individual person could donate to you is six hundred dollars well in nebraska pete ricketts can donate ten thousand dollars to any candidate he wants and he regularly does that and that means people who have the kind of money to donate ten thousand dollars to a candidate have an outsized influence because you can pay for a lot of things with $10,000. But in other states, that limit is, it has a limit. In Nebraska, I, if I had a million dollars, I could give you, April, a million dollars to run for Senate. And Woo! that would give you quite an advantage. So that's not okay. That's not good. And that is a really simple step if we just had if we just had a cap, whatever the cap is, if there was a cap, that well, would be a really good other states. Like we don't have to come up with this on our own. It's not that hard. No, exactly. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Mm -hmm. So did you see, speaking of the 4th of July, uh, Omaha is prosecuting. They said, Omaha Police Department said they were going to prosecute anybody doing celebratory gunfire for the 4th of July. Well, gunfire isn't safe. So No, there was a little boy. The mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that's very good. They should not yep. uh they should not allow celebratory gunfire. And if anybody is at a party, has a friend, and they are going to do some celebratory gunfire, I would warn that's you that those too. those bullets come down and every year people die on the 4th of July from a random bullet. Because the bullets come down. A little boy in Council Bluffs, it was maybe, maybe 2015, maybe. It was a couple years ago, but he was in his own driveway or maybe his grandmother's driveway and was shot in the shoulder by celebratory gunfire. And nobody came forward and claimed it was their gun or their bullet. And I'm sure that kid is still in physical therapy years later because a gunshot wound is no joke. No. But that being said, 
So they're taking correct action in that place. They are taking correct action. But also, you can actually kill someone in Omaha and not be arrested. If. (laughs) Well, I mean, as long as you are an angry white male with a long history of white supremacist statements and an intention to go downtown and possibly kill someone and you kill a black teenager over, I don't even know what. And so, you know, we, we still haven't seen justice for James Scurlock and that is just a huge Nebraska problem. There was a really good article about it that came out on Yahoo news and it gave in-depth uh it gave in-depth reporting the reporter interviewed all these different witnesses and they all they all basically said the same thing which is the police did not take statements from us and didn't really seem to care what we saw they didn't do a real investigation and then immediately decided that it was okay to murder james gerlock so so that happened um, in Omaha. So they can't decide who to prosecute, huh? Like yeah. Shooting. Yes. Murder. That's April, fun. what are you reading these days? Oh, I finally read a good book. You oh. did? Oh, my God. It took forever to find one. I was like, I mean, I always, even though I'm a, uh, like a librarian, I sometimes go through these phases where no, nothing's just right. Nothing's just right. And so the next part is when I tell other people, you know, when they're having a hard time finding anything, I'm like, that's normal. That happens. <laughs> just mm-hmm. keep on trucking. Um, I read This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger. Fiction. So good. Um, and I mean, there's murder, there's runaways, there's um, definitely some deeper stuff going on in a relation to like an Oedipus kind of story. Mm. Uh, not Oedipus. Oh my God. Odysseus. Odysseus. Oh, that's a different, that's a different Very kind of different, thing. Very different. God. Um, <laughs> but their whole journey and always looking for home as they run away. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. I really liked it. What about you? I just read, I read two things. One, I've been reading the materials that came with Henry's uh, camp in a box from Blue Stem Montessori Elementary, which is every day you get a box with a craft or something, but it has these really interesting dinosaur facts. Every day comes with a dinosaur fact and comes I don't know it's really well done and everyone if you need a camp in a box to do summer activities I would recommend getting one from Bluestem but the other thing I've been reading for myself and not for the children was the Alice Network by Kate Quinn oh have you read that I think I had it in my pile and I think finally I had to give it back to whoever loaned it to me oh (laughs) It was so good. Mm. It was so good. It, it's about this network of female spies during World War One, mm. and it was just so good. There was 
I just really love a heroine who is a badass woman taking people down. I loved it. It was, I, it was so good. It was enthralling. The, it, the dichotomy was there was this young woman who is after World War II is looking for her cousin. And then she finds this lead that takes her to this older woman with gnarled hands. And then they go through and it keeps going back in time to the older woman's history in World War One, And then their current journey trying to find the cousin. Right. And it's I, so good. Can I talk about a book I read a while ago? Yeah. Let's you do it. read it too. I did. But I'm re- yeah, yeah. But I read this author's, I'm reading this author's new book, but I don't want to talk about it yet because I don't want to, I don't know if I, you know, I'm going to love it, like it, whatever. Um, but um, it's a YA book called um, A Heart in a Body in the World <gasps> by Deb Coletti. Yeah. And it is amazing it was nominated um for the michael prince um honor award and um it did not win what also what won was also amazing but what struck me about this book it's a it's a young woman who is running literally running across the country um to kind of outrun some trauma and uh she the parts though that really got to me so much were about her descriptions of what it's like to be a woman in the world. Like the chicks, you know, the girl's like 17 or 18. But when she talks about when she would describe like the attention from a boy and, or the unwanted attention of a boy and the very delicate, how do I handle this? Because I want to be independent and I want to be, you know, stand up for myself, but I don't want to be a jerk. And our society gives such mixed messages on what women can and shouldn't do and how to act. And that we're all supposed to want all of the male attention, no matter how it comes. Even when you get that creepy sort of fluttery thing in your stomach and you know it, we're still supposed to be nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were so many parts in that book that just I was like I have felt that exact thing that I've mm-hmm. always felt I felt it when I was 17 I felt it when I was 20 I felt it when I'm 40 like it never goes away but that was so perfectly described so many times that I I took screenshots of the pages because I wanted to save them forever like I wish I had them right now so that I could read them to you because I can't word it so mm. perfectly like she did but yeah. that was a fantastic book. There's a really good uh, little thing from Elle magazine they said about the book. They mm. said, yeah, where'd it go? Uh, they said, a vital and heartbreaking story that brings together the Me Too movement, the effects of gun violence, and the struggle of building oneself up after a crisis. Yeah. And I so thought, it kind of goes back and forth from like now to like back when the trauma kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And she has a kooky grandfather. That's like, yeah. So he's a fantastic character. So it's not all heavy. There's some lighthearted comedic stuff going on, but it is, it is a really poignant about women and girls and 
when you know that creepy guy and he's giving you a weirdo vibe, but you're not allowed to be like, hey, dude, fuck off. You're creepy. Yeah. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that because it's not ladylike. It's not civil. Um, It makes me think of um, Natalie, who lives in Lincoln, when she started yelling at this woman Mm -hmm. who works in the Nebraska Family Alliance and kept going in there for a coffee and just started yelling at her about the work that she does, that that it has real harm against the queer community and against Natalie specifically. And you're just never allowed to do that in a female body. You are never allowed to say, you are causing me harm and I do not accept it. And I do not accept you and I will not be in space with you. I will not be in community with you. You're never allowed to say that when you are in a female body. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it is so frustrating. So here's a the, good, here's what, a go good ahead. quote from the, from the book. Um, she's confused about what she did and didn't cause. She's confused about desire and her own desirability. She's confused about her own sexuality. It should be hers to wield as she wishes. She knows this, but why? Even if she isn't wielding it exactly, even if she's just being herself, is there the sense of a shameful invitation or even an invitation at all? She knows she should be able to invite if she wants to invite, to say no if she wants to say no, yes if she wants to say yes, to allure or not allure, to just simply feel good about what her body is and does and how it looks. She's supposed to be sure and confident about those things, but how can she possibly be sure and confident about those things? There are so many colliding messages, confidence and shame, power and powerlessness, what she owes others and what is hers, that she can't hear what's true. I'm going to need you to come to my house and read me books (laughs) to drift me off to sleep. (laughs) See, I should have known I would always be a librarian because I used to do that to my husband. First off, I always read good sections to my husband, but I also would make him read to me sometimes. (laughs) Oh. I'd be like, just read to me in bed. Um, What she owes others and what is hers. That's the thing, like women owe everybody smiles and happiness and you don't get to be mad and you don't get to say fuck off and you don't get to, yeah. Mm. Yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, April, I always love talking to you. I miss Stephanie, but she's off. She's finally taken a summer vacay. So we decided to give her the night off, but we miss you, Stephanie. April, let's do this again next week. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.